0: Our scripture today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your own word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel.
1: Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. and Welcome to many visitors this morning that are here for the baptisms and even uh, new members joining. We're glad to have you with us uh, on this Advent morning. I remember I was talking to a friend some time ago and they were telling me about their hometown newspaper had kind of a crime section, crime of the week section in it. And uh, it may have been somewhat of a small town, I'm not sure, I can't quite remember which town it was, but they said that the crime was that the nativity scene uh, in the middle of town, so when you drove near the circle or the uh, square, had been, there had been a crime against it. Somebody stole the baby Jesus, and uh, they finally found the baby Jesus, and um, Somehow, I don't know how they tracked down who took it. Maybe it was a prank, who knows. But later on, they, when you drove by, they put, I think even in the paper, that Jesus was then chained to the, to the nativity scene. So you couldn't take Jesus from the nativity anymore. And it's interesting. I wonder how many people, though, in that, before all the crime happened, which is, you know, who knows what kind of prank they were trying to pull, I wonder, though, did people notice the nativity before? Or did they even notice the baby Jesus before? Because really, it's all around us right now. Uh, The commercialism, the the advent is there. But I do wonder the profound nature of the advent and what it does. Because it's easy to just kind of pass by and, you know... <clears throat> oh, somebody did something to the nativity scene. You know, it's like, oh man, it's in the town square. I mean, what does that do? What, what do we think of Christmas? C.S. Lewis had some very, very pointed thoughts about this. He said this actually about Christmas cards and then listen to what he says about shopping. He says, Christmas cards in general. This is C.S. Lewis in London. Think about this. This is years ago, long before now. Christmas cards in general and the whole vast commercial drive called Xmas are one of my pet abominations. The half hearted and sometimes rather profane attempts to keep up some superficial connection with the nativity are disgusting. You can hear him thinking that in his Oxford professorial language. He also said this long before December 25th, everyone is worn out physically. By the weeks of daily struggle and overcrowded shops, mentally worn out by the effort to remember all the right recipients and to think out suitable gifts for them, they're in no trim for merrymaking, much less if they should want to take part in a religious act. They look far more if they were, had been a long illness in the house instead of Christmas. You know, what is Christmas to you? You know, I mean we do we light the candles and we have the readings and we have these services to remind us, what is it really to you? I mean, is it I mean for some of you here it could be a reminder of of hard things. It could be a season that reminds you every year of some sort of profound loss. It could be a season where you're just every year, like Lewis said, I mean your mind is exhausted, filled with what you gotta get done. Maybe it's an added list of things that happen within this month that usually don't happen the other 11 months. Maybe it's a time now of busyness and or loneliness. Christmas can hold a lot of things for us. But I wonder, do we take notice really of what happens in the ordinary and mundane and how Jesus really comes to us? The the nativity scene in the town square, the... The songs we hear as we walk through malls, they they, they come to us as ordinary and mundane just every day. And and I don't know if you realize in this very passage, what is happening here is a custom that is actually very ordinary and very mundane. But what is met in this passage is an extraordinary, unbelievable event that so much so that... That leaves his parents, Mary and Joseph, marveling at what happened. I mean, this is Mary who had already had the angel come to her and say, You will name him Jesus. Like she knew all that, and yet they marveled at what was going on here. Simeon, who's kind of the main character in the early church, was called the God Receiver. That was his, that was his name in the early church. God Receiver because there was something more than ordinary. See, typically you would bring your firstborn male to the church, to the uh, synagogue at the time, to the temple, to have them uh, blessed by a rabbi and looked over by a doctor and they would be cle- there would be a cleansing. That was ordinary, but something more was going on in this passage. And Luke writes it out for us so that we can't pass by it without marveling at what's going on. Simeon realizes he is receiving, he is holding someone in his hands that is going to change the course of both history, present, and future. And it changes his life. So much so that he actually says in the moment, imagine being able to say this, so satisfied with encountering something so profound and powerful that he says, now I can die. When have you experienced that? In fact, the the Greek word now is one, one of the biggest words highlighted in this entire passage. Now I can die. He is so overwhelmed. It's called the nunc dimittis. In other words, it means now I am dismissed. And it's actually broken up into two parts. We're going to look at his song. He breaks out in song. We're going to look at his song and his prophecy. That Simeon has a prayer that's answered and a prophecy fulfilled. Prayer that's answered and prophecy that's fulfilled here. There's an answer to his prayer. Luke's presentation of his character, Simeon himself, is really something we need to take notice of. It says that this man was righteous and devout. Someone who had great piety. It also takes great lengths here to say the Holy Spirit was upon him. That the Holy Spirit is talked of a few, two, three times in this passage. It's not as common in Luke for that. That the Holy Spirit is talked about as coming into that. This is unusual because the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about in conjunction with a temple or rabbi in 400 plus years. Something new is happening. And there's obvious that, and then on top of that, these references to Isaiah. See here's what's good about Luke's gospel for us in this room. Luke is not writing to Jewish people. He's actually writing to people who would not be Jewish and wouldn't understand these customs. He's writing to Greeks, to Gentiles, all those like us, who would, would go, "What is up? What's up with this passage? What's this trying to tell us?" And it says here that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Verse 25, a devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for Israel to be comforted. He's waiting, he has been waiting. He's waiting for God to usher in an era of peace after incredible, incredible unrest. He's waiting uh, something that people have waited for, for Hundreds, even thousands of years before him. He's waiting for there to be something to change his life. Look, Simeon is one in a long line of people in this passage that they were taught, they were were grown up in this language that someone is going to come and reverse. This curse that is on Israel. Someone is going to come and console. That word console means comfort. In the Greek, it's actually paraclete. It's it's almost the same word for the Holy Spirit himself. There's a longing here. Look, we just sang that. You just heard this beautifully sung in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Listen to the language of that first line. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. They've been waiting. Look, can you imagine waiting? Look, this is a history in a people who have been waiting. Let's try and understand that for a second because this is a history in a people who have been waiting Not just for a short period, but for so many years that many of them, and you may know what this is like, have heard the promises, they've been taught these things, they've read Isaiah just like Simeon has, and they've thought, and they've died, never seeing it. And in in, in some cases, they've seen the opposite. Where is peace in the midst of destruction? Where is this one who's going to come and actually do this? God... A lot of people falling away for, because they never, they never saw it fulfilled. A lot of people trying to hold up, to be faithful to those promises, promises that they would never, they themselves would never know on this earth. Can you imagine that longing? A longing to be rescued, a longing because you have it so deeply ingrained in you and yet you never see it. I've been reading the book Unbroken. There was a movie made about it. I've really loved the book. It's been, I've been reading it really slowly. And there's a point in this. It's a somewhat famous book about a, a guy named Louis Zamperini who uh, was a famous track star and then was in the war and uh, eventually was in a prisoner of war. And you read most of the book about that. But there's this moment when his plane crashes uh, and it's turbulent moment it, it, it describes it and that's the beauty of the book is you get to actually read the words they draw out what it's like to be in that moment and some of you in this room may have even been a part of that in war but as he crashed in his plane everything's turned upside down water above wires wrapped around his arms and legs Trying to come out of wherever this is. Trying to find the life raft. Then finally finding a life raft. And then in the moment trying to learn who else is alive around him. And then climbing into a boat which they show pictures of. Three of people that is. They're trying to fit in a two person raft. Where their legs are literally laying on top of each other. Talking about the provisions that they can only have. One small chocolate, that's what they had on this raft, a small square of chocolate, one in the morning, one in the evening, and a little bit of water. And it talks about moments when they were on this raft and experienced even seeing planes fly by, and the anguish of running out of water, them keeping their limbs inside because sharks are literally bumping the raft. This is a historical account. Can you imagine the longing to be rescued in that? The days of the sun bleaching them and then at night it's just stone cold. They don't have blankets. They don't have anything in this raft. All they have is water around them for miles and they are at the mercy of the current. Can you imagine the longing to be rescued? Y'all, we are in those kind of moments. We may not be on a raft, literally, but we know those moments that exhume our longing to be rescued. We need to be consoled. The consolation of Israel, you need to understand what Simeon was experiencing is exactly what was happening to Louis Zamperini on that raft. For years, they were longing for that that promise of someone to come to actually change everything about their circumstances, not just their feelings, but their reality. And it would be easy for us to look at the candles, to sing the songs to see the trees, to go about in our day and see all the reminders of an advent without it actually attaching itself to the consolation that you and I desperately long for. Your whole body aches for it. I know it. And there are things about your world right now, whether it's exams, whether it's your job, whether it's your marriage, that you don't know if it's gonna happen. You don't even know if you're gonna make it. And this is the consolation. The prayer is answered. He is holding the child in his hands that is called, he says, Here, my eyes have seen salvation, is actually what he says. Here's what's beautiful about that in verse 30. For my eyes have seen salvation. The actual word there is my eyes have seen the instrument of my salvation. Can you imagine being Simeon, holding this baby, looking into its eyes and realizing for the first time that you're holding the instrument that will not only save you from your current situation, but for eternity. Eternity in his hands. G.K. Chesterton said it this way, I love it. The hands that made the sun and stars were too small to even reach the huge heads of cattle. And God, who had only been a circumference, was now a center was now right there in his hands. Salvation's instrument of peace was there staring back at him. Y'all, this is the the God-man Jesus. This is the reality. This is the question that I love my son asks me all the time. Daddy, how, how does Jesus, how does he come to us like that? Shouldn't we be asking that as adults? I love his questions because they stump me and I need that. They make me go, ugh. But don't we con- contemplate? Don't we need to think of the consolation that Simeon has longed for is truly something greater than this ordinary event that's going on that he received, think about, how many babies did he bless? And then he holds this instrument of his salvation and it radically transforms him so much that he says now I can die does the advent do that to your heart does the gripping nature of the God man God becoming flesh so much so grip you that you go you know what the rest is gravy now now I, can, I know what death is. It's, 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 I have peace. Holding that instrument, that who he is. And for all of us, it's, it's beautiful that it says here that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In this moment you need to understand something. This wasn't Simeon saying, reading something from Isaiah and saying, just quoting it. He was actually announcing this beautiful prayer, rejoicing that the gospel, this instrument he's holding wasn't just for him and it wasn't just for Israel. It was a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Do you know who that's talking about? You and me. Most of the world was not Jewish. (laughs) And this light came to shine in the darkness for us thousands of years ago. A reality to bring the outsiders in. A baby, an instrument of salvation is our ticket in. Christmas is so much that. It is so much about us wanting to belong and wanting us to just feel connection. You know, it's that... Time of year, it's like one month out of the year that we're like, everything's supposed to feel warm and cozy, isn't it? Like It's supposed to feel like we're, oh, we really care. And that's what I love about C.S. Lewis's quotes. It's like, let's, let's not just, you know, put a stamp on this. The, the mundane washes away the fact that we really have longings to be a part. We are outsiders longing to be inside. And this child is the instrument of our salvation. The physical, tangible work in that. I remember my my pastor years ago writing this and even preaching this and saying that Jesus did the incredible work of one of the most horrific things that can happen to a human being, being born. Brought in through all of the The fear, the dependency, think about that. Think at that moment, Simeon is holding the answer to his prayers, who in that moment is so dependent that he cannot even reach up to touch his face. He's only a month old. And yet Simeon bows his heart to this baby. And here's what's wild about this. It begins in this joyful prayer, but it continues in this fulfillment of a prophecy. Right after this, he turns, Simeon does, after you see the song and praise Mary and Joseph, it says his father and mother marveled at what was said to him, and Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary something that you would not think or wish or desire for any one to say to you about your child. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. The language of what he's saying is he's turning to them and saying, Your son is going to be an outcast. It begins in this beautiful, joyful praise, holding the baby, the instrument of my salvation. And he turns to the parents and says that. Can you imagine if I turned to the Greenwoods this morning and said that to them? They'd be like, new church. (laughs) Like, you don't say that. But there's riddled through this, what is called the prophecy. And in fact... It has been so long, over 400 years, since the Holy Spirit himself had said that rabbis said that the Holy Spirit, they said in their tradition, understood the Holy Spirit had departed. God departed from us. Where is he? For hundreds of years. You see that hundreds of years, they were longing, expecting for something to change. Never saw it. And then all of a sudden, in this temple, the Holy Spirit lands and in all sorts of Old Testament prophetic formula right here. And what did it signify? The messianic age. Simeon recognizes, this is from centuries before me in Isaiah. And yet, what is the fulfillment of the prophecy? That this baby would grow up and would be a stumbling block for many for those who are unwilling to be dependent on this dependent child, he would be a stumbling block. Those who would find themselves not needing him, he would be a stumbling block. And yet Jesus makes himself humble. He makes himself low. And for them, they're thinking, God hasn't forgotten us. I want to encourage you here this morning. I don't know where you are with Jesus, but I would ask are you willing to look at him and say, there's got to be something more? That Simeon isn't reacting in some sort of religiosity, he's reacting to the fact that, wait a minute, God actually does what he says? Like this Bible, the the reason we read from this thing isn't because we're, we just are religious people. We actually are reading something that God is saying, I am going to do something. And how are you going to react to it? How are you going to react to my work? God is keeping his word. He fulfills it. He keeps us. Here's something that hits me and maybe this will hit you. That Have you ever seen, you know, you get probably, I don't know what kind of gifts you've gotten for Christmas or who've given them to you, but you know, the gifts that have really hit me the biggest are when somebody gives me a gift and I open it and all of a sudden I realize, man, how did they know that I wanted this thing so bad? And it was the person that heard one word. Or heard a phrase somewhere along the year or years. And they said, I'm going to keep that word. I'm going to remember. And you open that gift and you go, they have kept me in their mind for however many months. They heard me. They knew exactly where I was and what I I needed. And it wasn't just a, oh, here's something else. But it was one of those things that hits you harder because you go, gosh, I can't believe you actually listened to me in that. And not only that, kept me. That is the experience of this. It is that God keeps his word. It is the fact that he comes in flesh because he keeps us. That he hears us. That we are crying out. And we ask and we wonder in this day and age, in this time, we talk about Advent. We talk about him coming at Christmas. But we do wonder, how does it connect to us now? Is he keeping his word now? Because the Bible, you know, we're reading about what happened then, but am I just supposed to have this memory of him? His advent, his coming, first coming has everything to do with you now because every moment of his life connects to you. And he continues in his life to connect to what's going on with you. Imagine this. He takes the form of a baby He comes and he takes every dependent form. He takes every aspect of what you learned as a kid, bad or good, hurts, joys, all of those things. And he grows into those. The only way that you can be identified with is even from your conception that Jesus enters into every part of that to identify with who you are and what your needs are and how you cry out to him. That he grows up, you even see him barely as a boy continuing. And this is how we understand. And this is how Simeon, holding that child, realized that all the language, all the words that God used to talk about his people oh, you're loved, you're protected, I won't forget you, is right there realized in him. Y'all, it is made flesh. He made himself a baby and lived in all of the agony and issues that you do in order that you know that he had to, to reverse this curse. All the fears that we have. And yet he would even do this to be opposed, misunderstood and rejected. This was the trajectory of his life. How difficult would that be? How hard would that be to hear that as a parent? And the sword that would pierce Mary's heart was this: that she would watch her own son die. You want a prophecy that would come to fruition that is so excruciating. Can you imagine in this room, whether you actually have children or do not, to actually hear that about anybody in your family? And yet this is what they were given to be the one who would come and save their people. This is the one Charles Spurgeon a wonderful preacher years ago said this he said infinite and yet an infant eternal and yet born of a woman almighty and yet nursing at a woman's breast supporting a universe and yet needing to be carried in a mother's arms heir of all things and yet the carpenter's despised son This is the advent. There is nothing mundane about it. In fact, the way that this passage ends is actually almost more startling than any part of it. It says this, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That language is saying, that anyone who comes in contact with this Jesus has a reaction. That there is no other way to do it. That the gospel, in other words, the actual language of gospel means you cannot have an opinion, you can only have a reaction to it. It is an event. It's saying the hearts would be revealed. It's saying everything within you, if you really come in contact with Jesus, It's going to reveal who you really are. This table is that. This is the prophecy fulfilled. This is the Advent's course. This is where it's heading in his body and blood, my friends. Like this is Simeon holding this baby. He knows it is heading to this. Because he knows the rest of Isaiah says it pleased God to crush him. Pleased God to crush his own son. And if you come in contact with that Jesus, your heart has to be revealed. Would it reveal to you this morning your relationship to him? Would it reveal to you this morning that It is more than mundane. It's not some nativity where Jesus is chained down in the middle of a town square. This is a savior that took on the chains, took on the cross so that we might actually have joy and consolation that is true. Please come to this table this morning if you would and do so not with a heart that is mundane, but no, ask Beg God to shake you by holding the bread and the blood of Jesus, almost as Simeon held the instrument of salvation. Would it reveal your heart for him? And if you're here this morning, would it reveal, would you come in contact with him? And if it reveals your heart to say, I don't know, Christmas is great, I love this time of year, but I'm not really into this. This is not for me. I don't mind talking about Jesus at Christmas, but Him in any other part of my life is not a reality. I would encourage you to hear that revelation and stay in your seat and contemplate it or come forward and receive prayer because this table is set by the one who wants your heart to be revealed in integrity and truth of who you are in relationship to Him. So as you come forward, let's do so. Let's stand together and let's read.